All right, here we are. All righty. This is the last pre-show before we see Star Wars, at least before I see Star Wars. Mm. Do you have tickets? Do you know when you're going? I don't know when you I'm don't? going, and I do not have tickets now. Okay. Well, I figured if you didn't know when you were going that you, in turn, <laughs> That's true. would have no tickets. <laughs> kind of one follows from the other, doesn't it? Just guessing. Yeah, so uh, Max and I will be seeing it at uh, 9.30 Friday morning. Pating, pating. Okay, cool. IMAX up at the Mills, 3D. Figured we'd go big. I haven't seen a movie. I haven't. I haven't seen a movie since uh, Guardians. Oh yeah. So it's gonna be. I don't know. It's gonna be tough to top Guardians. I think. Um, I'm sure Max will love it. Max will love it, but he'll love pretty much anything that has robots and special effects and stuff. Right. So. And a guy with a laser sword. Mm-hmm. So, will you love it. TIE Fighters and Millennium Falcons. You know, I'll be able to watch it, even if it's not... It's got to be better than some of the worst Star Wars. But, You'd expect that you know, they would have learned something from... I mean, J.J. Abrams is a dynamic director. At least it won't be people sitting on couches talking to each other. Right? At least there won't yeah. be that. Yeah. The... Uh, but I have a I have a fallback, right? And that is, I can just enjoy spending some memorable time with my son. You know, something he'll never forget. So, you know, I'm gonna have a great time, no matter. I wouldn't I wouldn't be sure about the never forget. He's five. Well, okay. <laughs> but but you the, won't you the, won't forget it yes, at least. Okay, so. all right, right. So I, I maybe I wasn't I didn't think it the whole way through. The never forget part is he'll never forget the plot of the movie type thing. You know, he'll because he'll see it. Dozens of times throughout his life, probably. Okay. And he'll, and he'll take his kid what was to the, see Star Wars Episode what 45. What was the plot of Star Wars Episode 1? Episode 1, Trade Negotiations. You've seen it dozens of times. What was the plot? <laughs> the plot. Uh, yeah, how did they end up on tattoo? <laughs> 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 I remember some of the major points. Pod racing, trade negotiations, Jar Jar Binks. Was Jar Jar in the first one? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Pretty much he tied the whole thing together. Samuel Jackson, you know, there, tied it all up. I guess he was in the first one, but not for long. It wasn't, he didn't really make it much of a splash in the whole <laughs> thing. Uh, has your son seen any of the Transformers movies? No. He probably will at some point. God help him try to find a story in that mess. <laughs> uh... Yeah, you're right about that. So, I speaking, see, I need some of that brewery. Speaking of stories, yes, sir. Let's talk about Fargo. Okay, I've only watched it once. I haven't got around to watching it a second time. It, it didn't seem to beg to be watched again, like the uh, other episode, the previous episode. But like you said, you know, it definitely takes some reflection. Mm-hmm. You know the. Uh, you know, in the season, shit had to go down. Absolutely. And with reflection, they picked a very interesting way to tell the story of shit going down. Oh, I where, totally agree. Where, well, tell me if I'm right here, but okay. it really wasn't um, third-person omniscient. It was more of oral history of, that's what of, i got out of it yeah i mean that that was to me like when you said it, you weren't quite sure about it and i said 
I, I just said to you, you know, reflect on it, but I think the one hint I said that where I was going with it was yeah. remember that this is the first, the only time where they had an explicitly storybook mentality mm-hmm. going into the episode. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I figured, I kind of stored that away, you know, figured, but, you know, I hadn't reflected on it enough for it to really come into it. But yeah, you know, up until now, the episodes have been very omniscient, right? I mean, you're floating over these characters watching what they do. And this is almost like a play mm-hmm. based on the events. You know, like like the um the opening uh subtitles say. Right. Yeah, yeah. The title cards say. They 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 stress that all the time that this is, you know, this is a true story, but it's obviously not. And they even and they even go further in this particular episode by giving this blatant storybook narration and, you know, just opening a storybook and showing it. <laughs> right, right. So, there, yes, it's it's very much trying to, to get across the idea, I think, that this is, um, you know, stand back for a second and look at what the show for what it is, which is, uh, it, it's 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 about kind of, um, how did I put it in, in this post I, I put somewhere? Uh, it's about quirky characters who navigate through a world at once familiar and magical. And I think magical in the sort of sense of, of Alice in Wonderland or Wizard of Oz. So dangerous and unexpected mm-hmm. characters will greet you around every turn. So it's, it's familiar, but it's also got this sort of magical element to it. And in that sort of situation, uh, there's also this undercurrent of, of violence, a sort of sharp reminder that the, the magic of the world mm-hmm. comes at a price. Right. Uh, so... We we find ourselves sort of at the end of the scene that's like so violent and ridiculous and over the top that it almost like the it almost makes the people in that world disbelieve it. And there we have, and that's when we are introduced to a blatant, <laughs> just sort of uh, it's it's not a Deus Ex Machina because it just sort of it kind of happens and doesn't influence much except to be a distraction, right? Uh, but you know, even the whole storybook thing, and then like yeah. how you compared it to um, a fairy tale type mm-hmm. thing. When you're into the heat of the showdown at the motel, right? When the Indian stabs um, Floyd, Floyd, the mother Gerhard, uh, you know it. It feels it fits in. It feels mm-hmm. right. Where if it was a live story a true live story it would just you know that i think that would have seemed like too much right Right, yeah you know it would have been too easily delivered to get to that plot point you know that kind of thing but because of the storybook you know it's it's how things are set up in stories you know Mm -hmm. in fairy tales and suddenly this magic thing happens uh this you know sort of you can think of it as sort of supernatural thing that, that that occurs that that uh doesn't exactly twist the plot, but it, it certainly puts the plot into perspective. I mean, think about all the the um, it's all the ridiculous things that happened in that scene, and then of course, mm-hmm. and also keep in mind that the series has been laying the groundwork for that scene from the very beginning. It wasn't like oh, just UFOs will show up mm-hmm. out of the blue. Right. There have been little hints of that in, in all these episodes. So it wasn't just something completely out of the blue, but it was something where, where you, you, to, you took a step back. And yeah, I think that you you pulled exactly what I was pulling from, which is think about this more in terms of, remember, this is from the, you know, a story from the 70s. Think about how things get twisted in our memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this were a true story, which is not, but if it were a true story, you could see how a, a light from a helicopter coming by may have distracted people, but that gets twisted and turned into... A ridiculous 
right. story like that. Um, so I, so the more I thought about it, the more I kind of appreciated it for what it was, which was, and and I do think that the framing of the storybook helped to to distance this from from the more from more traditional storytelling. Right. So it was complicated. <laughs> it, it was not something that 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 was immediately accessible, mm-hmm. but it definitely, uh, I feel like. It made its point. It made its point well, but you didn't need to think about it. So, yeah, and uh, like a couple things, you know, like you almost like the Indian felt like a good guy, right. and then he shoots Ted Danson. Mm-hmm. You know, and you weren't, you weren't, you know, because of the way stories normally go. You know, less complex stories, more popular stories. You know. The Indian has already been redeemed. He's fighting for the good guys, right. and he would have not shot, you know, one of these main characters, the the elderly uh, father of a cancer stricken daughter, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And uh, nope, not in Fargo. Well, the interesting thing is, is now you point that out. That's a good good point because I, I, you can draw a comparison from the Indian to the UFO. Right. The the Indian was indiscriminate, as was the UFO. Mm-hmm. UFO didn't care who won. Right. It was just. Observing, oh right, right. And the the Indian didn't care who he killed; he was just killing. Well, right, but you know, it almost seemed like he was in his mission to take out the Gerhardt crew. You know, he was helping. Well, maybe not because I mean, he set the Gerhardt crew to massacre, right? <laughs> you know, the cops. The, the cops, yeah, in their underpants. So. Yeah, but there's a couple things. I mean, the Indians, you know, kind of behavior, like I said, you know, how he just ended up in an opportune position mm-hmm. to knife Floyd. You know, it it just, because of the storybook framing, I think it just fits so much better. You know, even though it was one of the more subtle points of it, you know, it didn't seem, it was, you know, j- just like a storybook portrayal. Yeah. The you other know? thing I noticed is that the, the narration was, was not exactly constant, but it, it, it was... It was laid on relatively thick throughout, mm-hmm. and then it stopped once the UFO happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, you catch there. some of the, the the sound jokes and tricks that they do, like the, the you were talking about the music and the other mm-hmm. one. It was it was kind of interesting how they pulled some of the music from the last episode into this one. The drum beat. Yeah, yep. Um, that's the main one I noticed, but a couple of them kind of sound seemed like they had a a familiar familiarity mm-hmm. to them. A drum beat's a wicked drum beat. <laughs> yes. Especially when you fade to black and you listen to that for, you know, 90 seconds. It's like, oh. But I absolutely think that you're right. That we were we're getting Fargo the TV show on for one episode that gave us sort of Fargo the legend. Uh-huh. Uh, and and that's fine. That That's actually, it's a, it's a cool way of looking at stories. So as somebody who, who admires and, and loves looking at stories that way, it, right. was, it was really cool. Um, I don't know whether necessarily that everybody's going to have that same opinion. But uh, I think that if you look at it from a story perspective, it was it was well done. One episode to go. Yeah, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I saw the trailer. My dad was watching something on FX yesterday when I was over the house. and So I saw some of the trailer, and it's uh, the uh, Blumquists, and I think the Indian's chasing him down, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. the Indian, they're like witness to... Once he cleared, gets rid of them, he's kind of free and clear. Well, I guess not, because... His picture was in the newspaper. Well, you're right. You're right. I was thinking too far ahead, but basically they're panicking on the run. Indians seem to be chasing him down. Mm-hmm. So, 
How about Peggy? She she knew exactly what to do. Just a flying saucer, hon. We gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> she she surprised us several times in this season. Yeah, who would have thought that you, you would have ended the season loving Peggy? Yeah. You're like, I can't wait for her to get killed. <laughs> it made her into one of the favorite characters. <clears throat> So let's do a little a little math just for fun. Okay. Um, and you basically, I think, now have a conception of, of what I is. And, sure. And the idea that uh, what we're really doing here is we're, we're giving us a, a formalism that means we can sort of take a problem, crumble it up, reassemble it, and have the same information. In a sense, right? Because you could do X and Y. You you could graph on that, but you wouldn't know which one was which. Okay. But if you have an I, then you you have some way of telling which which number line is different and translating it. Okay. Do you understand what I mean? Not particularly, no. Okay, well, the idea is, because you can just draw a circle and do all that stuff we did on an XY graph, right? Well, sure, you can, but I mean that's kind of. Uh, do we really want to get into this? This whole maybe we save this for later so we can wrap up with it. Because right. I know a lot of people don't want another okay. hardcore geek out session, and okay. you know where I'm going right now is it's just I know it's just going to lead into 45 minutes of. All right, all right, fair enough. We'll we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. All right. So, uh, you want to get some Himalayan salt crystal lamps? Yeah, I, I saw that. I was really... It, it was clear this sort of science as magic thing that they were using. Uh, we, we sent some links back and forth. Either. Jeff sent most of the links this time, I think, if not all of them, this week. Yeah, I, I, I used the Slack channel kind of as a pasteboard, right? right? I was just tossing stuff in there. So in uh, Bed Bath & Beyond or Home Place or something, some, some circular that mm-hmm. was laying on the table today, I saw flipping through... And I saw this Himalayan salt crystal lamp, hand-carved from Himalayan salt crystals with a wood base. Heating salt releases negative ions and purifies the surrounding air, 1999, and it has a yoga chick in the background. Okay, so, I mean, what I gathered from this is, all right, I, I get that it looks pretty, right? Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a very decorative mm-hmm. thing. Heating salt releases negative ions... I don't see... I... <laughs> How would that work without destroying the salt? I mean, you use salt like you can cook like shrimp on top of rock salt, you know? you Right, yeah. And it keeps the shrimp kind of isolated from the really, you know, the hot, the, gray, the grates and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of a... It can withstand much. Well, it's heat. sort of like heating it on rocks, as if we get well, some. But it can. From the but salt. yeah, but it's a, it's a mineral, right? It can withstand, yeah. you know, yeah, hundreds of degrees. So, like, where are the ions coming from? Maybe Himalayan salt is the key. Maybe it's whatever makes it. Himalayan pink. salt is is just salt with rust in it. I mean, that's all. Is it, that what it, it is? Yeah, that's all it is. It's iron oxide. Okay. Uh, <laughs> purifies the surrounding air. In no way would heating salt purify the surrounding air. So I found, I, I guess I didn't link it. I found another page, a little more, like I sent you a... a oh, you very, did, healing at about... Well, no, I sent you a very 
um, why natural salt crystals? No, this one. This food? one's a very complimentary. This is this is the kind of thing we want to pick apart when we're drunk type conversation. Okay. You know this nonsense here. But I did find another one. Well, here, how do they work? Heat from a lighted salt lamp attracts moisture. The evaporation of water through salt emits negative ions. Heat from a lighted no, salt it would, lamp it would release attracts water vapor. Oh, hold on. So, <laughs> something hot in a humid room. If you evaporate water, it releases water vapor, not negative ions. But but even a hot thing in a normal room is not going to attract moisture. Cold things are going to attract moisture, right? Right. Cold things will attract moisture. That's why you get or, um, or condensation, for example. Or is it more of a desiccant thing attracts moisture? Is that what they're saying? You heat it, it dries out, it attracts more moisture? Is that what they're saying, maybe? maybe it's more I mean, of... salt is, is sort of a natural desiccant, sure, but after a while, it, that would leave the salt in... A mushy pile, right? <laughs> just... I mean, well, no. I mean, everything wants to be at equilibrium, right? So right. if the salt's drier than the air around it, it's going to absorb moisture. Right, but it, I mean, imagine pouring a, a glass of water on your salt. You'd... It's going to, well, that'll <laughs> absorb it, sure. So It wouldn't absorb it. You'd have salt running, you have salt water running down. Uh, when you evaporate water, you're turning it into water vapor. Right, but you're, you're so you have a, you have a, you have salt in solution, and it evaporates. You're left behind. You leave behind salt, and you put water vapor into the air. Right. And it's just the state. It's just coming out of solution. There's, there's an energy thing going on there, but there's there's no ions, right? I mean, you're not getting. There's no ions. That's the other thing I couldn't really find out. Is like, what did they mean by ions? I mean, you can you can use like air ionizers to create a lot of. Ions, but I mean, you know what's even more efficient than that? Uh, a CRT tube. <laughs> that gives you a hell of a lot more negative ions. Well, that's, it, what, that's one of the pages, like, you know, if you get one of these air ionizers, it, it does like 10,000 times more ions than a salt lamp, is what they were saying. Oh, I can totally see that. Yeah, I mean, there, there might be some tiny effect, I, I guess, by heating up air, but that has nothing to do with the salt. So an ion, I mean, that's just a negatively charged particle, right? Yeah, well, it'd be a, a molecule that has a negative charge as right, opposed molecule. to neutral. Right, a molecule that's... So maybe there's... So... I don't... But the thing is that when you have a negative charge... When you have a lot of negative charged particles in the air, you tend to get things like ozone, which is bad for you. Right. Well, I did see something like people are saying, like, positive ions are bad, negative ions are good, or something. Again, but this is all in this homeopathic nonsense part yeah, of I, science. <laughs> why are... Or part of, part of the internet of pseudoscience. So salt in solution is ionized, right? I mean, it's. I'd have to do some more research on this. You know, Google's not giving me an easy, quick Why answer. Why would salt in solution be ionized? I, I thought it just sounds like something that I knew that I was taught. I mean, water is polar; it's a polar solution, so it can grab. Right. Things. So when it's in solution, isn't it an ion or something? Because. It something, could be, something's broken but it doesn't necessarily it. mean it, it's positive or negative. It doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, it could be positive. And it could be ions. Could be both, right? You could have a positive right. ion and a negative ion. So, and water as polar will attract both, right? 
I'll have to do some more research. Okay. I, I really want to know more about yeah, ions. Yeah, not huge into... You know, chemistry is not my forte. What is that? Oh, this is the Q? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't get this at all. What was... It's just one of the worst songs I've ever cool, found. What I loved is... is I did love the... The comments, they're all saying, this is so great. <laughs> I didn't get the comments. Max had Q as the letter of the day. And, you know... Like, the queen of the queen quang quongs? You better be quick, but you better yeah. be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, was looking for stuff on YouTube, you know, kind of support, like, you know, something Q, some kind of mnemonic thing or something. And... Queen? She can hear it when you lie Quietly in your bed with your quilt over your head. I think I wrote to you, the queen of the queen quang kongs is gonna fucking kill you, you quim. <laughs> Queuing to be killed by the queer quilled queen of quartz quest for a quirky quince. Quality! Query, quaff that quim, K. Time for a quiz. That's what I wrote. This is all like QU. Such an awful song. You better be quick, but you better be quiet. You can be quiet <laughs> I'll be quick because the queen of the queen quang quim is, is going to kill you <laughs> uh, let's see you linked to most critics didn't actually hate Star Wars episode 1 back in 1999 I remember I remember people were very tentative about like okay this movie kind of sucks but I don't want to piss off all the nerds essentially <laughs> was what they were doing uh, that's I figure what they, what they were doing because mm-hmm. I remember a lot of people were you know a very similar thing happened when I saw the second Matrix and I got out of it and I was like that that really sucked and people were like no it was great and slowly people right. sort of started to realize I, oh I, yeah I did kind of hate that <laughs> I saw it eight times but I did kind of hate it I, I could imagine how there was the kind of this mass uh, uh, sort of denial you know like yeah waiting so long for more Star Wars and well, I know that when when I came out of the Matrix. I didn't know why. I knew I hated it, but I didn't, you know, I didn't understand storytelling enough to know mm-hmm. why. I, hated it. I just okay. knew I hated it. Um, so it, I couldn't put it into words. I was like, well, that, that sucked. Why did it suck? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, would, I would concentrate on the wrong things. It was like people um, you know, concentrate on Jar Jar for why they hated Star Wars Episode One. No, Jar Jar was a symptom <laughs> of everything that was happening. I mean, yeah, it, that was awful, but that was just... <laughs> That was part of a much more significant structural problem with the movies. Mm-hmm. So, like when I commented on how I hated the the brawl thing, that was that was part of a more uh, yeah. There, there was there's a much better argument to be made about why that movie is terrible. The brawl thing is just a symptom of why the movie is terrible. Okay. Yeah, let's see. Anything else? Oh, the, uh, the, the so the the picture thing I thought was kind of interesting. The um, the color thing. Oh, yeah. I was looking at, for just some documentation on customizing a bash prompt and what options were available, and I found that page. Right, this is what you're talking about. Yeah. So there's this page where you can get you know when you're doing command line Linux stuff, you can get the prompt like kind of if you're ever at a DOS shell on a Windows computer, and you can customize it so it shows you the host name, the user. You can even have it have the date. You can make it different colors, things like that. Mm-hmm. So this page was kind of like a, a 
prompt wizard thing where you could set some presets and it would do these fancy prompts with colors and whatnot. Pretty and, cool, actually. And then I found one where you could you set the color in the preset and then you could change the background from black to white. So like you'd see what it looked like on a dark terminal versus a light terminal. Mm-hmm. And the yellow turned from yellow to brown or bluish or something mm-hmm. like that. And I thought, huh, it's another blue dress thing. And uh, so I sent it to Greg and I looked at it some more. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that color's changing. I didn't get out the eyedropper, you know, the color sampling eyedropper like Greg did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, d- I should have, but I didn't. I kind of like used my hands to mask off a bunch of white and just look at the mm-hmm. little, you know, local spot. And I'm like, oh, no, I, color's changing. It's Well, I mean, the point is that you your heart was in the right place and, and you were coming at it from a sort of skeptical mind and, and saying, mm-hmm. look, I've, I've seen this effect before. Uh, yeah. And I, I do think that there is some psychology. I mean, they they did look like, and they, they aren't too different, but they're different enough when mm-hmm. when you look at the codes. But I, I think what you did was was fine. You said, "Hey, look, this is interesting. Is this sort of the same effect?" And we and then we said, "Okay, it kind of looks like the same." Well, let's see. And we did the tests. No, okay, it's not. Right. But there's nothing wrong with it. There's, no, there's no. nothing wrong with with seeing something, thinking it's there. But the, what you do is you follow up. You say, all right, well, let's let's test. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if the blue dress never happened, my first assumption would be that it's showing me different colors. Right. But because it was a yellowish thing and because the blue dress happened, and because I was a person who saw both sides of the blue mm-hmm. dress when it first came out, that, um, you know, I'm like, huh, I think it might be that visual perception thing. As opposed to the software changing colors on me, it, 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 I think it's always good to have that in the back of your mind. Your eyes very easily play tricks on you because they've been developed to do mm-hmm. something very different than than analyze things uh, dramatically to the point. <laughs> so, right, they've been they've been developed to give you mm-hmm. information, not the kind of information that uh, that we're used to getting, but a more context based information. Right. Um, oh, do you want to talk about uh, this email we got? Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. So Barry Henderson sent an email in, which had a great subject line, and then it all went downhill from there. Barry's been a long time listener. Um, uh, you know, after after I sent him an email asking if he had anything to do with Blue Canoe, I remember. I think I asked him that question before, actually. Mm. So, yeah, long-time listener. Uh, pro guns. So the email says, guns are an evil, Greg is. Now, I mean, I immediately took a, took a liking to that. That's, that's, a, that's a great way to say <laughs> Really, I mean, legitimately, that's awesome. Uh, but then failed to justify uh, my, uh, my excitement. <laughs> I'll be brief, he says. <clears throat> Jeff, you have a good opinion on guns. Do not let Greg sway your view. Okay, so should I give my step my my step by step response to him? 
No, we should. no okay. just read right. it. So, Jeff, you have a good opinion on guns. Do not let Greg sway your view. Bullet point number one, gun registration is wrong, can easily lead to misuse. Bullet point number two, like it or not, guns are here to stay. Get on board. Don't be a sheep. Be a sheepdog. Bullet point number three, a gun in the hand of a good guy. There are a lot more good guys than bad. Be a sheepdog. Get training and carry. Final bullet point. Guns are fun to shoot. Jeff, take Greg out to the range and do some plinking if you haven't already. Close rant tag. (laughs) So uh, your response was pretty good. I I handled it uh, very judiciously. Because, you know, we talked about this before last time. You know, I'm I'm conflicted. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in a sporting family. I, like I said, you know, Greg's not changing my opinion on guns. It's the piles of dead bodies that are. Yeah. And, and, and that's it. And that's I don't, what I would expect. Don't look at me as an, as an expert on anything. I'm, I'm a conduit for some information that may or may not be correct. Look into it for yourself. Yeah. And, and basically I, I went on and, and said, uh, I don't know what the answer is, but we need to do something. Right. And the NRA's rhetoric is not the something that we need. So he says to you, I hear you. I don't have a solution acting like, don't have a solution to humans acting like idiots either. If I did, I'd sell it for a dollar. Here's a question I have. I assume Barry's an open source kind of guy. I don't know. I'm making the assumption. It it, it may be a wrong assumption. Uh, Open source, libertarian. What is with these guys and, and money? I think he didn't put much thought into what he was saying. I think he said he would... I think if he wanted to type more, it would have said I'd practically give it away or give it away to whoever's listening. But maybe maybe I, I just took it, you know, that's how I read into okay. it. You know, a nickel. He could have said a nickel. But, you know, two keys of dollar sign one is easier than writing dollar sign 0.05 or... I guess he could have said, you know, because I'd give it away. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to really dissect the whole sell it, it for a dollar thing. It does seem weird to me that the open source guys seem to be the ones who are most obsessed with money. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't the whole point. You want information to be free, but only when it allows you to make. Uh, I, I don't know. I think you might be reading into that one a maybe. little too much. Ab- certainly possible. Nope. I have no association with, oh, you know, this is about the, because it's his email. Whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I responded to his to his thing. I'll, I'll just go because I did a line by line response. I'll be brief, he says, and I said, "Yes, I can see that." Uh, <laughs> well, let's just let's just, let me just caption this with: Greg was pretty much an asshole with his response. <laughs> uh, well, I thought he was pretty much an asshole with what he sent to me because, um, look, if you're going to send me something, give me an argument. Don't send me a fucking rant. That doesn't help. It's not helpful. It's just dumb. It, it, it's, as, as I said at the end, it's beneath you. It's beneath me. And more importantly, it's beneath you when you send me this stuff. It's, it's insulting and it's petty. And, but more importantly, it's dumb. I, I, I don't know. I took it a different way. But I also wasn't called out the subject of the email. I, I, I took it as, okay, so here's someone with a strong opinion about guns. And he listens to the pre and post show and he took the time to write an email, which many, many people don't do. So give a reason is all I'm saying. So he says, Jeff, you have a good opinion on guns, not like Greg Clary view. And I said, why not? 
give some reason why don't you? I mean, d- don't just blah. Don't do this. Give a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm just like if you want to have a conversation, maybe happy to have a conversation. Don't just spew. Uh, gun registration is wrong can easily lead, lead to misuse. How about some reasons why it's wrong? Because really think about this sentence. Gun registration is wrong can easily lead to misuse. Guess what? I can change one word in that and change the sentence entirely. Gun ownership is wrong can easily lead to misuse. Right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. That works just as well, doesn't it? If if easily leading to misuse is the problem, guess what? Gun ownership is leading to a lot of easy misuse. And cars and alcohol. So and... if you're worried about misuse, the misuse is already happening. Let's get real. How about, so I said, how about some reasons why it's wrong? The, the next bullet point, like it or not, guns are here to stay. Get on board. Don't be a sheep. Be a sheepdog. Okay, the first part, like you're not, guns are here to stay. I don't buy that. Uh, but second, get on board. Don't be a sheep. Be a sheepdog. What the hell does that mean? It means be a sheep, not a sheepdog. Yeah, I read it. <laughs> it means, uh, let's see, like be be proactive, right? Go out there and set the policy, you know, or, you know, probably, probably in his term, it probably means, you know, later on he uses sheepdog again when he talks about carrying you know, being being the yeah. armed good yeah. guys out there. To, you know, so whenever the next lunatic comes out with a gun at the bank, you can pull out yours and take him down. Be that, the assailer, not the assailant, is what he's saying. Uh, I think you can look at it more vaguely, but if you look at it more vaguely, it 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 plays it, it plays for you too, right? Because you're being the sheepdog in starting a conversation, or you know, objecting that. Gun ownership is this de facto thing that we can't do anything about. You know, I mean, no, he's the one who's saying that it's a de facto thing we can't do anything about. And you're arguing against it, right? So, I mean, you're being the sheepdog in the way of not just going with it, but you know, shaping because sheep, you know, sheepdogs herd sheep. It's they shape policy, they shape society, they shape the herd. So, sheepdogs are people who, in a vague sense, shape society. That's a. But I don't think that's. I'm not. It's a really weird justification. Uh, for he it. might mean be the be the guys with the teeth and not the ones without the teeth. You know, the reason sheepdogs can herd sheep is because, well, they're smarter than sheep, but also, you know, they're a predatory animal, so the sheep heed to it. A gun in the hand of a good guy. There are a lot more good guys than bad. Be a sheepdog, get training and carry. This is, for me, it's like the worst possible maybe, thing maybe that's what he means more by sheepdog is you know if you're one of the uh no the ones with the pointy teeth out there you can yeah be an asshole not a human uh more i don't so see I said, it that way but more well i do more weird sheep slash sheepdog analogy is completely useless and just what we need crossfire because everyone is shooting guns at everybody else i don't you haven't thought this clever plan through okay uh Guns are fun to shoot. Jeff, take Greg out of the range. Do some plinking if you have already. Jeff has taken me to the range. But you only shot paper. You haven't shot cans and True. bottles. And I guess that's more fun. I've never shot cans but, and bottles with, a, with anything other than a BB gun. Guns are fun to shoot. Uh, guns are fun to shoot. They are. 
bombs are fun. It's fun to break windows and glass and shit. That's fun. It is, yeah. It's fun to go around and break things. Shooting windows with guns. I've done that. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Oh, it's fun to got throw. In tr- got in trouble, too. It's fun to throw glass at, at walls and stuff and, and just break stuff. It's fun to do. It's fun to do. It is. Yes. With this, <laughs> it's not a good reason to have guns. Then they're fun. So he did, he did the clothes rant, and I said, uh, okay, so the, the, they said to him, just because something is fun doesn't mean it should be, not be regulated, particularly when it can kill multiple people with ease. I bet nerve gas is fun. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Chemical weapons aren't that much fun. I guess it depends on whether you're a sheep or a sheepdog, Jeff. Uh, and he closes the rant, and I said, well, how about instead of ranting next time, you try making an argument? This is petty bullshit. This petty bullshit should be beneath you. I'll be waiting. He hasn't responded yet. Oh, you, you hit him pretty hard. So well, he deserved it. Okay. Come at me, bro. Give me an argument. All right. Barry, if you would like some uh, equal time on the air, we'll Skype you in. Absolutely. You know, it. it you might seem unfair if you're still listening that, uh, you know. That you don't have a voice right now. So we'd be happy to have you on the show. More than happy. I would definitely give you equal time. All right. You want to get on to the main show? Uh, Talk about Star Wars anymore? Uh, Star Wars. So I was watching a Nova about math. That was interesting. Um, You know, I was talking about patterns and stuff. Basically, is math discovered or invented? Yeah, we've gone over this. Before. Right, right. Yeah. And, yeah, we have talked about it. And this kind of, you know, was some of the same stuff. But there were some new things. And that was kind of that one of the guys, one of the mathematicians had a pretty good point of view where the um, the notion of, like, one versus two was invented. Yep. And then everything else was discovered based upon that invention, right? Yes. Kind of... It, kind of discovering what that invention meant. Yeah, you you set a bunch of initial axioms and then you see that even with these simple axioms a whole bunch of complexity comes out of that. That's absolutely true. And you try to set these axioms such that they seem to be as close to a model of reality as possible. Mm-hmm. And you get very interesting things that come out of that. And some of them map to reality and some don't. Uh, actually, a lot of it doesn't. Uh, but that it maps to reality doesn't necessarily mean that reality is made of it. Uh, I've said it before, reality is not made of math any more than uh, a street is made of maps. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, they spend a, there's a big segment on Fibonacci numbers. Yeah. And Fibonacci numbers, people listening, are the, a number that is the um, sum of the two previous right. Fibonacci numbers. So one plus one is two. So one and two are Fibonacci. Then one plus two is three, so three is a Fibonacci, two plus three is five, so four is not. Then it would be three plus five is eight, eight plus five is, you know, and go this is, on. This is five, right? This is a golden right. ratio. Right, right. But, uh, you know, they're talking about how this, you know, basically, you know, the, the you know, ancient Greeks and, and whatnot, you know, you know, who was it? Uh, was it Plato? Or no, Pythagoras, the Pythagoreans, right? They kind of worshipped the mm-hmm. ratios and things like that. That was kind of their god. You know, this magical 
this pattern. Yeah, if to you nature. don't go too deep into it, it seems like these patterns are everywhere. And realistically, they are. They are everywhere. But so are a whole bunch of other patterns that we're not looking for. Right. So uh, to single out these patterns is. <coughs> Yeah, so, you know, while Greg's recovering, you know, is it really statistically significant or are you just kind of favoring a bunch of patterns together? I'm like, wow, it's everywhere. But then there's, hey, random's everywhere, too. Right. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of patterns and non-patterns that are everywhere. We have a tendency to single out things that we that we see as important. That's interesting segment about pi and probability. So they start talking about pi. And I don't think they really made a strong enough point about probability because the first experiment they did was they basically had a line of ruled paper with a needle and the needle was just as long as the space between the rules of lines, right? And he would drop the needle and the odds of it bisecting one of the lines on the paper, you know, if it fell at a steep enough angle, it would bisect a line. But if it fell at a shallow angle, it would fall between the lines. Mm -hmm. And the odds of that is two over pi. Right, okay. Well, you can imagine the needle can fall in one of... It, it, let's just, for simplicity, just say it can fall in one of 360 different ways, right? You know, every degree on the circle. It's much more finite than that, but just for simplicity. Well, that's a circle, right? This yep. needle can fall in a circle. So it's interesting that pi works onto that. And, yeah, so the probability of this needle bisecting line is 2 over pi. And then they went on to say that the average distance... Of a, of a river, and what they mean is, you know, the average of all the rivers is that the length of the river um, from headwaters to mouth is pi, the linear distance. Like if you flew from the headwaters to the mouth. So if you, you know, drew a string from the headwater right. to the mouth. Some rivers are straighter, some are curvier. If you average them all out, though, you know... The river is 3.14159 times as long as if you drew a straight line, a string from from end to end. And then they, and then you link to Matt Grimes saying, well, no, it's not. <laughs> well, it was very vague in yeah. the, in the Nova. It was just a one liner. Yeah. And, and they made, and when they said the, you know, on average, right, they said yeah. on average, which makes it sound like a lot of rivers are 3.14 times. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll stop. The neighbor. Is it beeping? Yeah, the neighbor knocked down. It's like, fucking slow up and then get off. <laughs> huh? The neighbor just knocked. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, they made it sound like like almost every river. Mm-hmm. The way it was worded, it sounded like almost every river is pi times longer than it's as the crow's flies distance. And then like I stopped and thought about the phrasing. I'm like, oh, average. Okay, well, rivers curve, and curves are based on circles, mm-hmm. and you know you can abstract a lot of circles in there. So, kind of, if there's going to be an average length, something based on a circle is probably a pretty good way to do it. Absolutely. And when you then, think about it, what is like <laughs> we, we talked about sine and cosine. What what does that mean? Like, what is sine? Right, so sine looks like. Looks like this, All right? Mm-hmm. That's what a sine curve looks like. What does that mean? Uh, well, if you find out what these values are where it hits, the value where it hits one is one half pi. The value where it hits zero is pi on the x-axis. The value where it hits uh, negative one here 
is three quarters pi. It goes up to here again, two pi, etc. Mm-hmm. All the sign is saying is so the value of sine of x is the value on the y axis for how far you've gone around a unit circle on x radians. That's it. Right. So you did, so just as you go around a circle, how many radians you have? That's on the y axis. Where are you? That's all it means. It's it's a real simple uh, graph when it comes down to it, and that's all it's doing is just saying, all right, this is how a circle moves, and it's regular because you just keep going back and forth, and you essentially just keep going up and down, and the way you go up and down goes in pi. So yeah, this article I sent you, right? He goes through and he says. Um you know, some rivers are relatively straight, such as the Sacramento River in California, which is 447 miles long with a sinuosity of 1.24, probably one of the straighter rivers in the world. Um, the the Liffey River is 75 miles long, but has a sinuosity of a staggering 5.88. It meanders through Dublin like the walk of, a, <laughs> of many stag parties that pass through the city. Um so he took, you know, 258 rivers, averaged them together, and they had a sinuosity of 1.94. So, I mean, that's a pretty large sample size, and that's not that close to pi. Also, you, have, you do have to consider, which I don't think has been considered in that calculation, that the Earth curves. You're not doing this over a flat plane. You're doing this on a curved geodesic, right? So how does that play in? Yeah, I don't think it really matters. I I would presume that the end-to-end straight line, the sinuosity, sinuosity of it or whatever, is measured along the curve and not tunneled through the earth. Right, but I'm saying, does the, does the curvature of the earth play any role if you, if you use that? It should, because if you're talking about... A, it should all balance out. If you're talking about a long river, then you are talking about something that is influenced at least by curving over a surface. Well, is it really curving? I mean, it's... In the same way that you're talking about the length of a river where the end shouldn't have any communication with the beginning, so why would there be a pattern? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's... It seems to me a misconception. It reminds me of the misconception about tides. The misconception about tides? Yeah. What causes tides? The moon. How? pulls on the water the water sloshes around if it pulled on the water how come it doesn't happen to lakes because there's not as much movement it can't shift around a lot it but it's pulling on the water so you should see there's not that much mass to move there's not that much matter to move there's water can shift in an ocean you know like if it's all connected right Mm -hmm. you know it can shift from the 90 degree and move far. You know, it can move several degrees around the globe to stretch out. If it, but a if few it, lakes are big enough to do that. But if it's just being pulled, then you should sort of notice a bulging aspect, at least. Well, there is. It's There's actually, so you get high, you get two high tides a day. Yeah. The second high tide is, is anti the moon, right? So it's kind of like a football around the earth is where the tides are. Right, but why does that happen? Why does the bulge happen? Is it because the moon is pulling? Not really. I the moon pulling is a bad analogy because it's it's not 
pulling per se. What's going on is more complicated. <laughs> What's going on is 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 the water is being squeezed. You have these lines of force that are sort of tangential to the to the gravity. So these these are sort of pushing uh, pushing down, and these start pushing along the tangent of gravity. So you have these pushing this and sort of squeezing the water here and sort of squeezing the water in the other direction. That's why with gigantic oceans, you can have this big multiplicative effect. But you don't have the it actually being pulled. You have the ratio of different gravity forces pushing on the water. And even pushing on the land a bit, but hardly enough to, to, to notice just because of the... I, I don't follow what you're saying. It doesn't make any sense. I'd have to think of a better way to describe it. So you're saying it's not the attraction of the water to the moon? It's... Yeah, I mean... Right, it's not. Because that's too... It's way too small for this effect to happen. There's a lot of water out there. It's a but, big portion of... But the gravitational effect would be... Is extraordinarily insignificant compared to all the other effects that are happening. What you actually get is this bulge happens not because of a gravitational effect, but because of an electromagnetic effect. You're getting squeezing. What's doing the squeezing? Well, what's doing the squeezing is the compound tidal forces. Tidal forces are gravity, though. Tidal forces are gravity, but... but I think that the important aspect is that it's not a direct pull. It's not like the moon is pulling the water. The moon is is just it's having this effect on. Okay, I got to think of a better way to describe this because it's not that's not a good way. But <laughs> it's certainly not a good way. No, but I think you're just trying to be contrary to something because maybe you heard something somewhere that wasn't quite 100 percent accurate. But you're trying to throw the baby out with bathwater here. All right, I, I have to come up with a better way to describe it. Maybe I can come up with another one. But right. uh, yeah, I have to get the right words. All right. I think there was an episode of Space Time about it. You can watch that. They probably did a much better job. Okay. All right. Let's drink some beer. <laughs>